Welcome to another episode of God is a Dad podcast. Uh, my name's Justin. I'll be your host today. In a minute, I'm going to call Dan and Jake. Uh, we are three friends who have been friends for uh, over 10 years now, and now we're all dads. We all have kids of our own, and we are here to have conversations about parenting, about marriage, about life, and particularly come at them from the angle of asking ourselves, how does God treat his children? How does he treat his bride, the church? Uh, and how does he just treat everyone? And then try to model our lives after that. So this week, we're going to continue a conversation that we had last week, which centered around emotions. Uh, And in particular, this week, we're going to approach it from, or asking the question, what does God think about emotions? Does he value them? Does he think they're important? Uh, Does he think they're good, think they're bad, somewhere in between? What does the Bible have to say about emotions? Uh, Those types of questions. And since last week, we focused mostly on emotions as they relate to children and dealing with emotional kids, This week, we're going to talk about emotions within marriage. What to do when one or both of you is emotional? How much do we kind of withhold them for the sake of our spouse? How much do we just be honest and share them completely and fully right away? Uh, And just kind of how to process together through negative emotions like fear, sadness, anger, all that kind of stuff. So before we get started, I just wanted to take a minute to make something really clear about kind of what we're trying to do with this podcast because mostly... What we're trying to do is have conversations about ourselves learning and growing and our experiences and our triumphs and failures and everything in between. And we thought it might be encouraging and entertaining, somewhat enjoyable to have record those conversations and let people listen in on them. So that is pretty much what we're doing. We are not trying to tell people how they should parent. We are not trying to create a bunch of rules for what good parenting is. Every marriage is different, every family is different, every child is different, every husband is different, every wife is different, everybody's so different, and that creates a whole lot of opportunity for diversity in decision-making and expressions of family. We do think we have some valuable things to say. We do think we have valuable experiences. We think we have uh, some wisdom in parenthood. When we say we do things or when we say we think some things are good, what we're really saying is those things are good for our family and they work for us. And if you like them, great. If you don't like them, that's also great. If you come away from an episode of our podcast thinking, I did not agree with anything they said, I guess I would still consider that a win because if disagreeing with us causes you to think more deeply, think more seriously about your beliefs and your ideas about family and parenting and marriage, then that's a really good outcome that we would be really happy with. Funny story, just a few nights ago, my wife listened to the last episode that we did on emotions, and she pretty much said, I don't agree with your <laughs> approach or your attitude, your take on emotions. And then we had a 45-minute conversation about that, uh, about what she thought, about what I thought, and we kind of came to a little bit more of agreement, a little more understanding about kind of how to approach emotions in our marriage. And so if that's the outcome that comes, I can't imagine a better outcome than that. <laughs> than spurring on those types of conversations between couples. Because ultimately, we don't think we are the holders of all truth and all wisdom. We are very certain that that is God's role and God's job. And so if you listen to this conversation and it drives you closer to your spouse and closer to God to find out what the truth is, then that's a win for everybody. So that's our heart. That's our attitude. We hope you keep listening. We really like doing it, so we're going to keep doing it. It's just a lot of fun. They've just been really fruitful in our lives, and I hope they bear a little bit of fruit in your life as well. So I've talked long enough. Let me go ahead and give Dan and Jake a call. 
So yeah, uh, I mean, I essentially wanted to talk about. I mean, I, we could have moved on to another topic, but I, the 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 emotions conversation is something that I I've been pro- I, yeah, just processing through, and I, I hope I hope growing in as well, um, because I just realized. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's even all that unique in in I guess males, but like, I just don't think that emotions are good fundamentally, or I haven't thought that. Uh, <laughs> And therefore, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously I, I would never have said that, uh, but I think a lot of the ways that I've chosen to live my life or how, how I've treated other people or how I've behaved, how I've processed the experiences in my life have kind of come from this place that emotions at the very least, like at, at the very best, I should say, are neutral kind of things. Uh, and at the very worst, they're bad. There's bad things. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you talk about someone being, like, emotional, like an emotional person, that's usually not a, a positive thing, right? So what does God think about emotions? When he, when, pe- when he sees people experiencing emotions, positive emotions, negative emotions, and everywhere in between on the spectrum, what does he think about them? How does he see them? I, my answer to that question for a long time would have been God sees emotions as things, as things that people need to keep under control. So they can obey him, so they can live a righteous life, so they can make good choices, you know. And that emotions largely play the role of keeping people from obeying God, <laughs> you know. Uh, emotions cause people to lose control of themselves and then, and then cause people to disobey him. So then a large pursuit of my life has been to minimize the amount of emotions that I experience so that I can kind of make the right choices. That doesn't, you know, as I've grown, I think, I think, especially, you know, being married, that doesn't really work super well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right and then you start to you know you sort of see that, that that's not not a yeah not not a valid perspective or it's very incomplete so i'm curious what you think about the question if we're, if we're looking at it from god's perspective like what is the deal with emotions i mean i would even say like for me literally i'm asking the question like why did he create emotions what is what is the purpose behind them why do we have them what's the what's the deal with them in in like the largest broadest sense possible because <laughs> that's kind of where i'm coming from i guess with the question but it's interesting because I kind of feel like a lot of the verses in the Bible treat emotions on like a first reading may treat emotions like you have described. So, you know, like, don't be anxious about anything. Just don't do it. Don't be anxious about anything. Okay, well, how do I do that? Yeah, like, don't be angry. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, like, don't be angry. Figure, figure a way out mm-hmm. not to. And I think because we're so like the Western society is so exegetical and logic based that we don't let God maybe transform the emotion to be something new, but we just try to like not be anxious or angry or fearful or whatever. In the Bible, it's like there's plenty of commands to, you know, but on the flip side, there's like, you know, it talks about different seasons or like a time to weep or a time to be happy. Mm, Sure. It has both of them, but I think especially kind of like New Testament Polish stuff, you know, it wants people to live righteous lives. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's the command to not worry because God's in control. I think, you know, without maybe a lot of reading or a lot of prayer or just like life and community and God and Holy Spirit, like it's pretty easy to see the command and assume that that's like where the buck ends is that the phrase mm-hmm. yeah the buck the buck stops yeah the buck stops <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure I got it from somewhere, and I feel like part of it had to be some of that. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, w- with maturity, I think you realize that that's really not where God's heart is, is just to get people to shut off their, shut yeah. off those things, but actually process them positively, experience yeah. them as they are, and then try to change your who you are so that you don't feel that way all the time, and that you can turn it into kind of more positive expression. I, I was just going to say, like, Old Testament God seems pretty emotional. It, I was just that he's getting mad all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he seems, like, mad and then just, like, just, like, bemoaning, like, his creation. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yep. On a side note, that's how I feel with my kids. I feel like I'm an Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> to my kids right what now. have I done? <laughs> something wrong? Consequence. <laughs> I mean, I think that makes sense. I, that's a question I have a lot: is how do I explain old, you know, Old Testament God, New Testament God? And I, I think that having young children sort of explains it to me a little bit. And I've kind of seen that. Like my theory is that as a human race, as a society, as God's people, we've matured since since Adam and Eve. And that the Old Testament is largely like the zero to zero to three or zero to four. That's when we're yeah. like zero to three or four years old, you know. And so children respond to direct stimulus. <laughs> they don't respond super well to reason or logic or, hey, how did that make them feel? You know, let's think about this. Yeah. Let's process our thoughts and emotions. They respond to bang, you know, or loud noises or <laughs> like strong, you know, uh, exertions of force or whatever. And that's what God did, and I, I think that's why typically parents parent young children like that, because they're too immature to actually have mature conversations. So the reason God changed is not because he changed, but it's because we possibly matured as a human race or as his people to be able to handle more mature conversations. Probably specifically because the Holy Spirit was given to us. I think that would probably be the difference. Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense, I think, that you, you do that right now with your kids when they're so young. <laughs> so, so God's emotional, that's, that's true. When we are created in the image of God, that has to be, I feel like emotions are like what make us, what make us human. Maybe the, the separating factor. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think like animals have them? Uh, yeah, to, to a degree, probably. I have spent literally like <laughs> as much of my life avoiding animals as possible. So I'm, I'm sure. Good. <laughs> I don't know. You think to a degree? Sure. Okay, yeah. well then let's throw that let's throw that one out of the window then. And Nicole actually said something similar too. Like the God's purpose of emotions is it's almost like a weird question to ask because it's the reality is I think that it's just part of being human. It's kind of like asking what's the purpose of love or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, what it's it is the purpose. I don't you know there. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. That doesn't, doesn't really make sense. And. So it, emotions are just are a part of being human. And I think what Nicole said that really helped was emotions are what it, what it feels like to actually to be living. Emotions are what life feels like, you know, or they're just mm. the emotions are life kind of. <laughs> you know, if you're going through life and not feeling, experience emotions, you're just kind of a robot. And then are robots even alive? Uh, mm-hmm. Just kind of, the, you know, sci-fi question that people are asking. Right? And when <laughs> in those movies, when I'm the robots start feeling emotion or something. That's when they reach their point of sense <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she, you know, she was just like, yeah, like emotions are life, kind of. 
possible. The thing I was hoping, I think, was possible was that you could shut off the bad stuff and then still experience the good stuff. But I think it's more like a single valve kind of thing where if you shut off, you know, if you try to shut off the negative yeah. emotions, positive emotions. Sure. And then it's kind of like you're not living is, is what I'm is what I'm I think I'm realizing to a pretty big extent. I think emotions, uh, I mean, obviously everyone has emotions, but sure. like it's something that we can, that connects us. Our ability to feel good together or our ability to feel bad and, and be able to emphasize and sympathize with each other. It, it, it's a, an amazing way for us to all connect w- with each other. The next question I have how do you think you could go about experiencing more emotion in your life? Like what's the, what would be like the action step sort of for me to take? Like, what would it, does that make sense? Like, what would it, what, what would it be? So I'm, I'm saying like, I, I would like to, I would like to open up more. I would like to, you know, be a more emotional person, experience more of, more of life, I guess, you know, if emotions are kind of life, what would that, what would the action point be? The, <laughs> the funny thing was I asked this to uh, Nicole's sister and her mom, one time we were over the summer we were at we were at the lake and I kind of I, I kind of shared with them you know hey this I, this is something I've been realizing I don't really like yet I'd like to change or whatever and they're very emotional people it's something I really like about them and so I asked them, <laughs> I asked them you know how, how would you as very emotional people who are very in touch with you know yourselves and how you're feeling how would you suggest to me to kind of explore that or kind of go go into that further i guess <laughs> they had nothing helpful to say but both of them started like weeping at some point during the conversation <laughs> wow <laughs> just like just like thinking about emotions just like thinking about times they had really felt something you know they were just like accessing memories or whatever where they felt something really strong <laughs> and they both like at separate points just started weeping <laughs> because they were thinking about feeling emotions but they had nothing. They had nothing helpful to me as a more logical person. <laughs> they both just showed me what it looked like to access their emotions, but I had right. no idea what was actually going on inside of them. So, yeah, how would you how would you suggest to to do that? <laughs> I, wait, I, before we talk more, who who in this group is the most emotional? I don't know who I would say. Me. Yeah, I would say Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My advice. Just to vocalize your emotions more uh, to people around you. And then the more you vocalize them, the more aware you become of the emotions that you that you have. Um, and I think it's kind of like a flood and dam situation. Like the more that you do it, the more you'll tap into how you feel. I think that's good. That's good advice, I think. A new evolution in our marriage <laughs> has been... Uh, I've become more comfortable with expressing negative emotions in the moment. Because I feel like I think when I was first married, I was, and I'm still not great at being vulnerable with Anna, but through, you know, years of doing it, it's easier for me to look on the front end of being like, okay, I'm struggling in this area or I've got this issue or I'm mad or frustrated. I need to talk about this with Anna, but that means that I've got to share like the hurt or the, the whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. But then on the flip side, the freedom and the joy that comes from that is always, has always been worth it. I think for the most mm-hmm. part, unless yeah. if, 
Anna responds really negatively, and then, and then, <laughs> which has only happened a couple times. I would say it's pretty recent too that I've like I've been frustrated with Anna, and I'll just show it. Where like maybe two years ago, I would take an hour, get in a good spot, and then I'd be like, ah, oh, I was frustrated back there, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would talk about it or whatever. And I'm not. <laughs> do you guys think that's a good thing? To, to express frustration <laughs> because it shows that like yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I trust her to handle like myself or like what I what I do. and obviously there's like a too much but it also yeah. kind of feels like I trust her more now yeah, right handling maybe like yeah my negative responses or feelings I don't know like I've been walking out on the line I've kind of been testing it out uh, yeah. a little bit and Sometimes it feels like it was beneficial, and sometimes it feels like ah, <laughs> that that wasn't very smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know, man. I was going to ask you as you were saying it. I was going to, I was like, I mean, I I respect the effort. I'm I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious if that's a positive or negative, or sometimes either way. I don't, I'm not sure. I feel like one of the positives is that this is going to sound this is going to sound bad, but. <laughs> demonstrates to the other person what it's like to deal with somebody yeah like Anna doesn't have any issue with her expressing her emotions to me and in the intensity and volume that she feels them you know because like I'll get frustrated and I'll be like a little a little short or like a little terse or whatever and I think she said a couple times like wow like yeah I guess like that that wasn't super fun I got some of my purpose in it, but it's a, right, right. Like a positive consequence uh, of it. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it just, I feel like the, the real positive is that it, it does. I just, it makes me feel more like I can be myself around her. Around yeah. Other people, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, they get to see this, this side of me or this thought or opinion. And like, I haven't had it yet, I don't think, uh, come out on the other side where like, I'm disowned by anybody. But, yeah. right. <laughs> I mean, that, that could happen. Like, I don't know. But, like, it kind of shows me maybe how elastic or spongy relationships can be in a good way. Like, that people can still accept me as I am, even though yep. I did this. Yeah, I can definitely see that that being a thing you would that would happen as you as your relationship matures, just because it does require a lot of trust, you know. And I, the the big thing, obviously, that can happen is if you show your negative emotions, and then she sort of takes those in and then creates her own new negative emotions, and then you yeah. have two, and you have two sets that are just kind of being thrown back and forth. Then it's not obviously that doesn't seem super helpful, but. Yeah, if, if you got into the place where you know she you know that she can kind of handle it and there's like a faith in each other that that she looks at you and says, even though Dan is feeling this way, I know it doesn't it's not putting our relationship in jeopardy, then there's just there's not as much risk involved because she can look at it and yeah. say, He's feeling this way and I care about that and I wanna think about what I can do about it. But yeah, I, I know, like, if I would do that in the past with Nicole, that's what she would do. Is she would think, oh, no, our relationship is in crisis. This makes me really sad. And that would create bad things that would happen. It would just mm-hmm. make it worse. But now, 
there's a lot more faith and trust between each other. So she knows that when yeah. when that happens, our relationship is not in crisis. It's not in trouble. It's just the thing that we're experiencing, and we're going to come out on the other side. But if there's doubt, if there's any kind of like insecurity in that, then I could see that being really, yeah, creating negative stuff. But. I mean, there's a more honesty to it, I think, of mm-hmm. expressing, of at least acknowledging that you are experiencing those emotions right away and to share them with the other person. I think I think for most people, it's actually harder to, to not share them in the moment. Mm, sure to, to to let that like that frustration that anger what whatever like come out of you and so i i think there's an authenticity you think so yeah yeah oh yeah i think there, there's an authenticity <laughs> really? oh yeah dude oh, like just in the workplace like if yeah. a coworker does something wrong like immediately like five other co-workers are like, like oh my gosh that person's an, an idiot you know especially <laughs> frustration that that pops up like pretty, pretty quickly. As as someone who lives outside of the country, I would say that's a defining characteristic of Americans. Right, right. That, that's what Amer- that's what a big thing Americans are known for is being those types of people. Because yeah. the rest of the world is not like that. <laughs> but like, I feel like nobody nobody says it to anybody else's face. So, uh, so what? Nobody gets like ticked off at the other person. Maybe this is just like Midwest too. But, like, I feel like it's all passive-aggressive or said behind somebody's back until sure. something something tips the scales. Right. But but even then, I, I feel like even if it's negative, it generates a more authentic uh, relationship. So I'm, I'm all for that strategy. I think there's something I, I think there's something a little just like too sterile about like the waiting. If you're if you're feeling frustrated, like it's okay to express that and then afterward you, you can still reevaluate it and you can still process through it. Yeah, yeah, I think trust is probably the, the biggest factor of if it's okay to, to do it in the moment. Yeah. Especially like between spouses. Yep. Cool. That's helpful. All right, so um what media has made you cry ever or the most or what's their most memorable movie tv show i don't know if you cry during music or reading a book or whatever you do uh, <laughs> what, what what has made you what has made you get in touch with your emotions the most uh i cry probably the like i cry more during movies than i do for uh, real life i would say uh, last movie that really like made me just Oh man, I I was a mess. Was uh, silence. Silence. Yeah, it's the uh, Martin Scorsese movie about the two missionaries that go over to Japan, oh, like yeah. the fifteen hundreds or sixteen hundreds or or some at some time. But who's in that? Yeah, Andrew Garfield uh-huh. is yeah. the main character, and uh, uh, Adam Driver. Right. So that is like, oh man, that'll, that, yeah, it got me. Because hmm. you're, yeah, you're just experiencing just people getting tortured basically for two and a half hours. So, oh, that, that's the movie. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, if, if I had to yeah. like, sure, sure. So why it's so like emotionally impactful, but you're like, you're, you're watching people get, not not only like physically tortured, but you know, there's like this whole emotional like faith struggle, emotional struggle that they're that they're experiencing. So it's just like this two and a half hour long 
torture fest. So, mm-hmm. and Scorsese does that in a way where where you get pretty like engaged and involved in it. So, yeah. Why haven't I heard of this movie? Is it new? Uh, it came out like maybe two years ago. Last yeah, year, two years. I also cried just listening through the uh, Hamilton soundtrack. So. I haven't. We we haven't seen the actual play, but like disc two or or whatever the the second half of of uh, Hamilton. Ooh, got really. Rich. Which I've like never cried really during like like listening to music, but I mean, obviously like it's a it's a musical, so yeah, sure. It, it has more of a storyline that you can follow. So that was oh, that was good. Yeah. Wow. That's. That's kind of surprising. Yeah, I I did not get close to crying during the Hamilton soundtrack. Wow. I mean, I, yeah, I'm surprised the soundtrack itself. I, it, I, I mean, I would definitely see it. I was probably close d- during the play, and I, I hadn't listened to the soundtrack before, so it was it was totally new. But yeah, yeah. just the music alone, is, that's pretty. It's pretty good. Right. I I almost never cried to music either. I, the first time I ever did was the, with this. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard of this the new Hill song, Hundred Billion Times Song. No. Oh, really? Oh, I have man. not. I thought that was... I'm hipster, like... Justin. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. You're right. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, I don't know. There was, like, there was like two weeks straight. I would listen to it with my kids in the car on the way to school. And for about two weeks straight, it, it, I listened to it every, every morning with them because, you know, they kids like really repetitive music and stuff. And I cried, you know, 10 school days. I probably cried 7 out of 10 when I heard that song for two weeks straight. <laughs> wow. Weird man, weird stuff. You should you should give it a wow. listen. It's, uh, yeah, it's 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 a good one. I I would recommend it. It's pretty good. Uh, I actually like the Bethel version better, but it's only on YouTube. I think. Uh, the reason why I laughed initially was because I was like, song making me cry, and then I was like, oh, shoot. The, the probably the closest that I've been to crying recently was a Legend of Zelda song. Oh wow. <laughs> Dude, what, it was it lyri- crazy. Does it have lyrics or is it just instrumental? No, just instrumental. So it's the Temple of Time song from Breath of the Wild. And it's just a piano. And you kind of like wander into the Temple of Time and it's dilapidated and derelict. And, and then like the piano starts, but it takes out anywhere between like two to seven bars of music at a time so it's only playing like the central melody and it's like just a pretty somber real depiction of hyrule after it's been essentially annihilated for 100 years and it was like a hit of straight up nostalgia because i first played zelda when i was i don't know eight and then you know i've played a lot of the successive titles having grown up with all of the all of the games so it's like the growth of hyrule paralleled with like my growth in life like it was just like thinking back on like, all the experiences that i had it was crazy i like was hmm. not expecting it uh at all when it happened i was like oh my goodness because songs like don't ever do it for me but hmm. wonder when i was reading wonder came I, I came close but a couple times but i i never did what book wonder yeah I don't think I've heard of that. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I think I've heard of it, but I don't know. I don't know what it, I don't remember what, what it is. 
I feel like Nicole's told me about it. I don't, but oh I don't, don't know. Oh my gosh, this is a dad podcast. Wow. <laughs> wow. Is it is it the same as the Owen Wilson movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you have her. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it just like there's a lot of good thinking about your kids going through the same thing. That was, that was good. The the two that I thought of were, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for. Anything with dads, father, son, father, daughter, relationships or whatever. I'm just kind of sucked for that. So uh, <laughs> one that I remember that, uh, was I was really surprised that it happened because I was at a theater. It was in high school and I was I was watching a movie with a bunch of my friends and it was uh, Click. <laughs> oh, man. Click? Sandler movie where he can go yeah. and he can freeze time and stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> Yeah, it's really good. So the, the, it was the moment where his dad's in the office with him. His dad's trying to talk some sense into him after he's, you know, been fast forwarding his life or whatever and only focus on his career. And his dad's trying to, like, call him back. And then I think kind of yells at his dad or just ignores him. I don't remember if he ignores him or yells at him or whatever. But then Adam Sandler is, like, watching this happen, kind of, right? Yeah. And then pauses it and he kind of, like, yells at himself, sort of. And his dad's kind of dejected and isn't part of his life anymore, kind of. And... Man, that got me. And I was crying next to five of my high school friends or whatever. <laughs> uh, that, that, yeah, that, that really that really got to me because I was, you know, obviously trying to hold that one in. And then, yeah, I think the other one I remember a lot was Toy Story 3. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, they're sliding to the lava, linking hands or whatever. Retroactively, I can't believe that they made me believe they were actually going to go and that all these toys were going to go into the lava. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but they freaking had me so hard. I really did. I believed it. And I was like, oh, man, this is so sad. This is a horrible, you know, great ending. But like, it, oh. and then, of course, they, they get saved. And I was like, how, do, how did they make me believe <laughs> that in this kids movie? I was actually going to, they were actually going to meet their, meet their end. But yeah, those two were, yeah, they got me good. What about Warrior? <sighs> no, I, no, that one did not get me at all. Really? Mm. I don't think so. Oh, because of the dad stuff? Is there dad stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't remember. That movie left not an impression on me. Yeah, even at the end of it, I was like, that movie, I'm gonna forget that movie wow. really quickly. I don't know why. Dude, uh Road to Perdition is a pretty good like father son story. I haven't seen it. That's Hanks, right? Tom Hanks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, oh my it's gosh. Really good. I love that movie. You don't like it, Dan? It's like... Mm, no, I don't. <laughs> Too many film buffs like it. For reasons that are not my own. Yep. Cracks me up. It's like a worse version of uh, There Will Be Blood. Like, everything that There Will Be Blood does, There Will Be Blood does it better. So here's, here's my problem. I feel like if I can quantitatively put something as as something better over another movie or in any media film, like I lose interest in the in the thing that's like second place. Right. Which is why my life in musicals, I think, is going to take a steep downturn after Hamilton. Sure. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I just have never in my mind compared the road to position to There Will Be Blood. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's, that's a first. Yeah, that's fair. See, I, yeah, I feel like most people have the opposite problem. Where I'll ask people, "Oh, which did you like better, this or this?" And they'll be like, "Oh, 
so different. It's such a different experience, you know. So they would like to look at the musical thing, and I'd be like, which one do you like better, Wicked or Hamilton? And they'd be like, oh, I couldn't choose. They're so different. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, you sat in a theater, and they sang songs and told a story. Like, which one did you like better, you know? But I feel like I get that so yeah. much where people are like, oh, I can't pick. It was two different experiences. They're two different to compare. Yeah. So, so, so you're comparing everything. You have, you have the opposite problem where you compare everything. And then, <laughs> yeah, like it, yeah. those feel close enough to me. Like I could see like not wanting to compare Wicked and Hamilton because they're like somewhat far apart, but comparing like Wicked and I don't know Rent or something seem a whole lot closer to me. Cool. Well, uh, I would hope. I guess I hope that the next time we talk, I'll be a little more emotional. Just be vomiting emotions. Yeah, I hope. I mean, that's the best case scenario, right? All right, thanks a ton for listening. If you don't know, we do have an Instagram and a Facebook page, so if you could follow us there, that'd be awesome. Also, probably the best way you could help us out would be to think of somebody, a mom, dad, husband, wife, that you think might enjoy listening and just tell them about this podcast. So if you feel encouraged or entertained or enjoy listening to this podcast, then please tell somebody else that you think might like it. That would be great. Otherwise, thanks for listening in again. We'll be back again next week where we'll be talking about what makes a good parent. What is, if there was a couple things you had to focus on as a parent to be better, what would those be? So hopefully that'll be a worthwhile conversation to have and to listen to. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. There's so many ways to go and get it. So take your chances and make advances.